What could take a woman so tormented and so struggling in life and change her to a whole new understanding of what life can become? What could take uh, so many of those early disciples of Jesus, you know, Peter, James, John, or, or even Paul who came along later on, what, what could take their life from, from the torment that it was, the struggle that it was, and transition it into what it became? That's really the question uh, that we're going to answer today and deal with today as we look at the uh, experience of not just you know, Easter Sunday and the tomb being empty, but even more importantly, of, of the experience of how that happened in the life of another person named Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. So if you've got your Bibles, well, we're going to concentrate today in John 11, so you can just go ahead and get to John 11. And uh, while you're getting there, I need to do a couple of quick things. Uh, one is just make a shout-out. We need to make a shout-out to our folks that are worshiping up in our upstairs uh, worship room this morning. So that is great to have them up there and worshiping at the same time uh, that we're here worshiping. So another uh, good thing to have more people together today. Uh, second thing is, that's right, I knew you were all waiting for it. It's time for Pastor's annual Easter joke, okay? And many of you have heard this joke before because you've been here for a long time. And I tell it every, every year because it's just, you know, I just want to. I'm honest. I just want to. It's a good one for me. It lifts me up, and, and so I'll be a little selfish here today. Sorry. But when you know the punch, you know the punchline. So if you know the punchline, the goal is the whole room will be just resounding with the punchline. Okay? So if you know the punchline, don't be afraid to shout it out. Hey, if the spirit moves you, just get up and act it out. I'm okay with that. They can think we're Pentecostal for a few minutes. Okay? That's okay. All right, so here it goes. You ready? So Sunday school teacher is doing her uh, her Easter lesson with her, her little itty-bitty students, you know, or preschooler types or first graders and young ones. And, uh, boy, she was just hammering the lesson, you know. She had the flannel graph thing going and talking about the tomb and the stone rolling away and Jesus walking out alive. And, man, she was just really into it. It was going great. She could tell it was going great. The kids were just soaking it all in. And, man, this was fantastic. Well, she got to the end of the lesson feeling just really good about it, but she realized that she had a few minutes left. Okay, so she thought, wow, what am I going to do? I'm done with the lesson. So she thought, well, you know, I'll have some fun. I'll just, I'll just do, a, do one of those check-in questions and just have some fun with the kids and see just, just how well they got the lesson. Okay, so she said, well, children, you know, we've been talking about Jesus coming alive today and walking out of the tomb, and I was wondering, children, what do you think Jesus' first words were when he came out of the tomb on that Easter Sunday? And of course, Johnny's in the back, Susie's in the back, everybody's raising their hands, ooh, 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 ooh. Finally, she says, Susie, Susie, would you just stand up and tell us, what do you think Jesus' first words were? Susie stood up and she said, Jesus came out of the tomb and said, This side wins. <laughs> Ta-da! There you go. Come on. That is a good one. I'm telling you. That there's a good one. Well, anyway. But it does raise a good question for us if we get into John 11. The question is, so what, what could make a ta-da moment like that? I mean, a ta-da moment that would take something that is dead and turn it into something absolutely alive. 
If we get into John 11, it says there was a man named Lazarus that was sick. He lived in a town of Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This was the Mary who put perfume on the Lord's feet, dried his feet with her hair. It was her brother, Lazarus, who was sick. The sisters sent word to Jesus saying, Lord, your friend is sick. Isn't that the way it works? I mean, life at this point, Jesus is doing fine. He's teaching away. He's heading towards Jerusalem. You know, he's had his ups and downs, but everything at this point is really on purpose and things are going good. And, and all of a sudden, as he's doing his ministry, in the midst of everything that's unfolding, all of a sudden, what comes into his life? Bad news. Bad news. He just gets a measure of bad news. This was his friend, Lazarus. This wasn't just a follower. This is somebody he felt close to. This was, this was a friend of his. And, and so in the middle of a season, when things seem to be going good, he's on purpose with God's purposes in his life, and then all of a sudden, he just gets bad news. Isn't that the way it comes? You're in a season of life. Things to be, seem to be going fine. And, and, and then what happens? Just life gets turned upside down because just bad news comes. Just just. Bad news comes. When the bad news came, Jesus responds to the bad news. It says Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now remember that he loved them. He loved them. He loved them. But it says in verse 6, But when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Are you kidding me? I thought we just read he loved them. I mean, if he loved them, wouldn't he just get up, get going, get over there, get it done, get Lazarus healed, everything would be good. I mean, if he loved them, but he stays two more days. He makes them wait two more days. He makes them stay in the experience two more days. He lets the experience get even more difficult in two more days. Is this not true? The way life unfolds for us sometimes? Bad news comes. Bad news comes and we say, God, don't you care? Bad news comes and we say, Jesus, don't, don't you care about what's going on in my life? Why is it going on so long? How come I have to deal with this after all? How come I have to go through this? How come it has to be so difficult? He waits two more days. The answer to the question is in the next text in verse 4. It says, when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death. It happened so that, remember those words, so that, it happened so that it would bring honor to God and the Son of God would be honored by it also. What's he saying? There is a bigger purpose going on even to this bad experience. You see that? So that, there's a bigger purpose going on even around this bad news and this bad experience. You see, that's the challenge. Can you receive bad news? Can you have a season of bad news in your life? And when it comes into your life, can you receive the season of bad news and say, you know what? This could serve God's purpose. This could be for God's purpose. Jesus received the bad news and he was able to say, look, this isn't till death. This is going to serve God's purpose. It's a so that." Then Jesus said to them, Lazarus isn't dead because of you. I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. You see the so that again? He even says, look, I'm glad I wasn't there because if I was there, I would have had to heal the guy and he would, we would have avoided all this. You wouldn't see what God is going to do. You wouldn't understand the importance of being able to receive 
bad news and difficult things in your life and step back and see they have the possibility of resurrection. That when bad things come, they have the possibility of resurrection. He says, so that. This is all happening so that. So that you may believe. Remember that. So that you may believe. Then he says, come on, let's go. Let's go. He said to his followers, let's go. Let us go into the country of Judea again. Jesus is ready to get involved now. He's ready to get active in the bad news experience. Here's a principle. In order for resurrection to take place, for bad news to go from something that's just bad news to something of greater purpose, Jesus has to get involved. He's got to get personally involved. And so he says, let's go. It's time for me to get personally involved. Let's go. Now, right away, he says, let's go. And right away, what does he meet? He meets opposition. His disciples put up a barrier right away. They put up a barrier right away. And they say, whoa, whoa, Jesus, wait a minute. Teacher, the Jews tried to throw stones at you to kill you not that long ago. And you want to go back there again. Let me get this straight. I mean, Jesus, really, I don't think this is a good idea. Ha, I'm not sure you should get involved. I'm not, I'm not sure it's a good idea that we let you get involved in this thing. Because remember, last time we were there, stones were in their hands. It was not a good scene. You see, there's opposition. So often, when you're in a season of difficulty, opposition wants to just show its head, get involved in your life. It wants you to look at the situation and say things like, well, you know, what could he do about it anyway? Or you just step back from the situation and, and you say, listen, th this is just, Jesus doesn't mean anything anyway. He can't do anything about this anyway. He can make absolutely no difference in this situation anyway. And that's what the disciples are saying. We don't need to go. We don't need to get involved. And you even get, get uh, Thomas at the end being extraordinarily sarcastic. He says, all right, fine. Let us go also so we may die with Jesus. It's kind of like your teenagers when you say, listen, you're going. And they say, oh, do I got to go? Right? No, yes, you're going. No, no, do I got to go? Right? And you finally get him in the backseat of the car. What do you hear the whole way? Are we there yet? Right? This is kind of like them. I mean, this is what's going on. They say, listen, do we got to do this, Jesus? Do, do you have to get involved? So often there's an opposition to even letting Jesus get involved. And we want to say, listen, he can't, do, he, does, he can't do anything about it anyway. Let me point something out. The only solution... And the only opportunity to have a resurrection in the midst of bad news is if Jesus gets involved. There is no other answer. The only way to go from where your life is to where it can become is to let Jesus get involved. There's more opposition. When he finally does go, he gets there, Mary and Martha... It says, Mary heard that Jesus was coming, and so she went out to meet him. But what did Mary do? Mary stayed in the house. She just stayed in the house. When bad times come, difficult things happen. It's so easy to just do that, too, isn't it? 
to be able to say, look, you know, I'm just going to stay in the house. I'm just going to ignore the whole experience. I'm just going to deny the possibility it's even happening. After all, it, it'll blow over. You know, if I just ignore it long enough, it'll pass. Right? If, if I just put it behind me, just pretend it doesn't even exist, you know, it, it'll, I'll wake up and it'll all be fine. It'll all go away. Said that before? That's what Mary's doing. Mary's just staying in the house. If I just stay in the house, if I ignore Jesus is even here, if I just stay in the house and just ignore that Lazarus even died, if I just, it, this will all, it'll, all get, it'll just all get better somehow. The difficulty with Mary's attitude is, no matter if she stays in the house or not, guess what? Lazarus is still dead. She can stay in the house all she wants, but what's the net result? Lazarus is still dead. You can avoid the situation all you want. You can ignore the situation all you want. You can try to convince yourself all you want that somehow it's just gonna it's just gonna blow over. But guess what? It won't go away until Jesus gets involved. It won't go away until Jesus gets involved. And then there's the last opposition he meets in the whole experience. It's captured by Martha. She does go out to meet him. Uh, but she goes out there and you can just hear the frustration in her voice, can't you? In these words, it says he got there uh, and he had heard Lazarus was dead for four days. And Martha came to him and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Now, that probably came out. You know, as polite as she could make it, but what she was really saying under her breath was what? Where the heck have you been? I sent you a word days ago. I thought you cared about us. I thought you loved me. If nothing else, I thought you loved Lazarus. I thought you cared about us. I sent you a word days ago, and now you show up when it's all too late. Isn't that what she's saying? You see, we do that too. We say, why, why should we even bother with this Jesus guy? Because he can't do anything anyway. It's all too late. It's just gotten too difficult. It's just gotten too deep. It's just gotten too heavy. It's just gotten too hard. What can he do about it anyway? After all, it's just too late. It's just too late. Martha is trapped in her frustration over the whole experience. And, and you see, she wants to believe but, but she just can't get there. It says, but I know even now God will give you anything you ask for. She, she says to Jesus, look, I want to believe. I know. I, I mean, I know. I want to believe. But look then, Jesus says, look, your brother's going to rise again. And Martha says, yeah, 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 I know, I know. I know he'll rise again. I know that's going to happen when people were raised from the dead on the last day. But right now, Jesus, it seems to me you can't do much about it. She wants to believe, but she can't bring herself to that place of absolute surrender. And then Jesus says the most amazing words. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Now I want you to catch this. I'm going to say something really good right now. So are you listening? This is really important. This is what you carry out of here today. You ready? The resurrection 
is not simply an event. It is a person. Do you get that? The resurrection is not just an event that happened on one day. It is a person. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am person, me, I am the resurrection and the life. What's that mean? When you give up the opposition, when you surrender yourself to Jesus Christ, when you say, look, I can't deal with it anymore, I can't do it myself anymore, it's absolutely, totally beyond me. When you let yourself go and you say, it's no longer my life, it is absolutely His, when you let Him get involved and you say, I give up, I'm giving it to Him, resurrection becomes possible. When you let the person, when you let the person of Jesus take over your life, it can change. When you let the person of Jesus take over your family and your kids, it can change. When you let the person of Jesus get involved and take over your marriage, it can change. When you let the person of Jesus get involved and take over your future and your career, it can change. When you let the person of Jesus get involved and take all your guilt and all your shame and all the darkness in your life, everything of which you wish you had never done, you let Him get involved, it can change. Because He is in His person, the resurrection. Did you see what he said right after he said that? I am the resurrection of life. And then what do you say? Anybody, good news, you qualify. Anybody, absolutely anybody who believes, surrenders, who lets me get involved personally, anybody who believes in me will live now, now. Because it's a person that is the resurrection. And resurrection happens when you give your life to the person. And your life can take on a whole new level of living. And everything about it gets transformed from what it was to what it can be. Because He is the resurrection. And you can live now. And even if bad stuff happens, even if the worst stuff happens, even the worst of the worst, and you breathe your last... He says, you're never going to die because I'm still the resurrection. And if you believe in me, even after you die, you will live. The resurrection isn't just an event. It's a person. And we can experience that person and we can experience that resurrection in our lives whenever we say, Jesus I'm yours. Jesus, I'm yours. He said, everyone, anyone, everyone, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. And he asked Martha the difficult question. Do you? Do you believe this? Martha? Oh, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, she said. I, I've always believed you're the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who's come into the world from God. You see, she was so close, but she just quite didn't get there, did she? She was so close. Yes, Lord, I want to believe that, but she just couldn't bring herself to surrender. 
And so what does Jesus do? Jesus has to show her the truth of what he just said. Some of you today are that close, but you just won't let Jesus take over your life. You're that close, but you just won't give him absolute and utter control of your life. You're that close. And he says to you, let me prove it to you. Let me show you what I can do. Jesus was still angry and he arrived at Lazarus' tomb, the cave, and he said the stone had been rolled there. And he said, roll the stone aside. But Martha, Martha, her, the sister said, Lord, Lord, listen, what are you doing, man? He's been dead for four days. The smell will be absolutely terrible. <laughs> See what, what's going on? What you have to know in that culture, in that experience, they believe that when someone died, the, the soul or the spirit of that person would kind of hover around the dead body for three days. Okay? Just kind of, this is totally not biblical, by the way. It's not there. But this is the culture of its time. It said, hey, for three days, the body's just going to kind of have the soul or spirit just kind of hanging around. But after three days, guess what? So sad, too bad. Done deal. That's what she's saying. She's saying, Lord, are you kidding me? Do we have to do this? Roll the stone away. It's going to smell. It's already too late. What are you doing? See, so often we just keep that opposition up. We just want to say he can't do anything when he is the only one that can do everything. And so he responds, didn't I tell you that you would see glory if you believe? He did. Remember that? He did. He told us way in the beginning, so that, two times, so that, so that. Do you remember that? So that. And so they rolled a stone away. He says, Father, thank you for hearing me. You're always hearing me. I've said this out loud. I say it really loud for the sake of all those people who are standing here. What? So that they will believe. You say, are you listening? He's saying it really loud. Okay? Are you, turn, the, turn the sound up so they can hear this. So you got to get this. Really loud. So you don't miss. If you're in that place in your life, listen up. you got to get it. He's speaking to you as loud as he can speak. Okay, you can turn it back down. Okay. It's loud enough. I mean, so, but what he's going to, I mean, look what, this isn't, this is, this is real. This is what he did. Lazarus, come out. And the dead man, who is beyond possibility, the dead man, who is beyond hope, the dead man, who had no future, the dead man, that was absolutely cold, hard, and dead, came walking out alive. You tell me, can Jesus change your life? He is the resurrection. And when you give your dead life to Him, He takes that which is dead and makes it alive. When you give your kids to Him, He can make them incredible. When you give your finances to Him, He can make it possible and prosperous. When you give your marriage to Him, He can make it everything you wanted it to be when you said, I do. When you give your life, your career, your house, everything you are to Him, He resurrects it and makes it more than we could ever dream or imagine. Why? Because He can use even bad stuff. And He can use even broken people like us.
for the glory of God. Because he has a higher purpose and a greater dream. And he said, let him go. Unbind him and let him go. And if that wasn't enough to prove it to you, if that's not enough to make it clear to you, he experienced the most difficult enemy any of us will face, death itself. He faced it, he experienced it, and three days later, even though he was dead, he walked out alive. Because he is the resurrection. And he rolled the stone away. When the ladies went to the tomb, they were worried, Who, who's going who's gonna to take this heavy burden? Who's going to roll this overwhelming weight away? And he already did it. It was already done. You see, for us today, it's not just gathering in this room and saying, boy, this is just a great event. What a great thing Jesus did to rise from the dead. No, this is a day for us to meet the person, to rejoice in the person, and say that we know it's true in our own lives. That even though it was a time in my life where my life was not where it should be, when Jesus got involved, when I give my life to him, I've already experienced the resurrection that could be never taken away from me. Why? Because, like it says at the very end, He is risen. He's risen to be part of your life. And He has such a great possibility in your seasons of joy and in your seasons of sorrow to make your life about glory. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much. Thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for being that person that's willing to get involved, unafraid to come into the difficult times in our life, unafraid to enter into uh, the frustration and the opposition and the distance, unafraid to overwhelm us with what you can do. And so, Lord, we come to you today. We thank you. We praise you on this Easter day that you are not only alive, but that you're here, and that you are the resurrection and the life. And we give ourselves completely and absolutely to you, and to your purposes, and to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.